Well, I want to tell you about something that happened to me about 21 years ago in February. It was a cold Saturday morning, and I woke up in my campus apartment at Oklahoma Christian in excruciating pain. It was by far the worst pain I'd ever felt. Nothing compared to it. And I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't move any ways to get comfortable. It was awful. So I called Aubrey. We were dating at the time. And I said, I don't know what's happening. I think I'm about to die. But you need to take me to the ER right now. (laughs) So we speed down the Kilpatrick Turnpike toward Mercy Hospital. I am screaming things in the car I'm not proud of. I am telling her to run lights. We've got to get there. I don't know what's wrong with me. But this is bad. So we walk in, and they're having me like fill out paperwork. I don't know how that was supposed to work. They take me back. They do a CT scan, put me in the room, put me on some blessed pain medication. And a few minutes later, they walk in, and they say, Well, Mr. Kincaid, we want to let you know that it looks like you've got a kidney stone. And I said, That's weird. My grandpa is the one who gets, like, grandpas get kidney stones. Like, I'm 21 years old. I was not expecting that. Uh, turns out, and some of you fellow Texans will appreciate this, when I went to college and there was the cafeteria and unlimited fountain drinks, that just drinking Dr. Pepper and no water was a bad idea. <laughs> Not going to work out for me. If I go home, I'm on that pain medicine. But I just remember thinking, I cannot believe that something this small can have this kind of impact. <laughs> on a, That's not mine, by the way. Don't get grossed out. <laughs> that's just... A stock image, okay? I could not believe that something that small could have such an impact on a whole body. Now, if you paid attention to the scriptures that were read earlier or the sermon title, you could probably finish the rest of this sermon for me. You know exactly where I'm headed. We could just be done. I mean, we're not going to be, but we could just be done right now because you know what we're going to talk about here with the body. Now, we're calling this series One Body with Many Members. And members, some of your translations will say parts, but those are the same word there. It just means a part of the body. When we talk about members, it means a part of the the body. And Scripture has all kinds of things to say about the body of Christ. But Scripture is not the first or only place to use this image. It's all throughout Greco-Roman history. And so Cicero will use the body to talk about the state or the empire, and you've got a role to play in in the body. But the historian Livy tells us about one particular man named Menenius Agrippa. And here's his story. He gets sent to put down a rebellion. So there's a period of time in Roman history when the soldiers and the middle and lower class were getting resentful of the upper class and the senators and all the elites. So they go off and they're plotting rebellion and war. So the elites send this guy, Menenius, over and he tells this group a story. And he says, you know, imagine if there were a body and all the other parts of the body were resentful of the belly. And so they decided to stop nourishing the belly just to get back at it. But then the belly decides to stop nourishing the rest of the body. So all these other parts are not getting their nourishment, and they decide they've got to stop their rebellion because they really need the belly after all. So his point in using the body metaphor was, hey, you need the elites. Stay in your place. Be happy with it because you couldn't survive without them. 
That's how a lot of Romans use the body image and metaphor to talk about the different groups of people. Like, stay in your place and be happy with your low status. Because you need the elites, you need the senator class, you need the privileged class. That's not how scripture uses it. So we're going to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians today and see how Paul uses it just a little bit differently, right? So Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 is going to talk about this image of the body. And he says this, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In this part of the passage, Paul is focusing on the diversity and the necessity of that diversity. So first of all, he says, you are vital. You can't excuse yourself from the body based on a status that you feel is not high enough. We don't need everyone to be a hand. We don't need everyone to be an eye. We also need feet. We need ears. So you don't get to say, you know what? I don't belong. I'm not important. I don't have those functions. I'm just going to step away. I'm not really part of the body. And notice that Paul doesn't just say this is how it is. He says this is how God set it up to be. You were put where you are for a reason. God knows your gifts. So it's not just, well, this is how it is. Be okay with it. It is, this is how God set it up to have all this diversity. This is what it looks like when it's healthy. So you are vital. But also, others are vital. We can't exclude people because they don't fit our mold. Oh, they, they, they don't have this function. We don't need them. They're not, they're not a, a head. We don't need them among us. Paul says you can't put someone out of the body. You can't, you can't just say, well, they don't belong because they're not the right part. That's foolish. You can't kick out the parts that don't seem important. So the goal in this section, Paul says, is diversity. You've got Christians coming from all backgrounds in the first century. Same is true for us. People bring different gifts, different abilities, different talents, different perspectives. And each one of them has an equally important place in the body of Christ. And then we move to the next section, starting in verse 22. And Paul says, on the contrary, so against this idea that body parts get excluded, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In this section, Paul's going to give us three different contrasts. First, the weaker are indispensable. I don't know what the weaker parts of the body are. Some scholars would say, well, you know, you might think of our fingers and toes, those things that, you know, that aren't as strong and that bend and sometimes break. Maybe it's our eyes because they're vulnerable and, and not protected. I don't know exactly what that looks like in a church body. Paul and others will talk about weaker people as being perhaps newer Christians who are still trying to figure out their consciences. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but what I read here is Paul doesn't just say the weaker are tolerated. He doesn't just say, well, the weaker are included. He says they are indispensable. They're vital. They're not just people we put up with. They are incredibly important members of the body of Christ. The second thing, he says less honorable people are treated with special honor. You know, maybe this is our internal organs. You know, nobody, you spend some time in the gym or eating differently. Nobody's like, hey, you know, your kidneys are looking great. It's It's not what we focus on. I don't know if that's it. We all know that there are parts of the body of Christ that don't naturally get as much honor as others. And Paul says, again, it's not just the less honorable are treated with equal honor. What are they treated with? Special honor. We go out of our way. We put our thumb on the scale to compensate for those who would normally get less honor. And we give them special honor. And then he says the unpresentable parts are treated with special modesty. Now I'm going to be delicate here, but we're talking about the parts of our body we wear bathing suits for. Okay? The parts of our body we use as insults towards other people. And Paul says those parts get special modesty. Now, if we're going to take Paul's metaphor fully, then if every church has eyes and every church has hands and feet, then every church has some rear ends. Okay? okay? That's it. Now you laugh because you think it's not you. It's there. Now what do we do? You know what? We try, we, we try to treat that with modesty. We don't insult people. We don't make fun of them. We we kind of work to, to reduce the worst parts of each of our personalities, don't we? That's what we want to do. We don't want to embarrass anyone. We've all been various body parts at different times, haven't we? Every church has lots of different people, and they have all different kinds of body parts. And instead of mocking them or scoffing at them, we love them. There's a saying that I learned from one of my mentors, and people in the office have heard me say it. Sometimes when we roll our eyes a little bit, we'll just say, you know... We love the brethren. It's just a reminder to say, listen, if someone has irritated us, we're going to name it and we're going to deal with the irritation, but we genuinely love the body of Christ, whatever parts of the body they might be at that moment. But Paul is just saying all these different types of people play an equally 
important role. And we tend to focus on the roles that you see up front, the people on the stage, the people with titles. But if you think back to your history, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, but you would think of some people who have played incredible roles in your own spiritual formation who were not the upfront people. I can tell you the story of a guy named Pinky Lloyd. Pinky was a greeter at the church I grew up at in Wichita Falls. And I remember how friendly he was every time I walked in as a kid. That made a huge impact on me. He was a greeter and it mattered. I could tell you about Luann and Sarah and Donna and others who did incredible work teaching me in children's classes. They formed me in important ways. And they did that for decades for kids. And they didn't get their names published anywhere, but they did hugely important work. So I know that we think about upfront people, and on Sundays when you show up, you might think of the upfront people. But if we think about the body of Christ that meets at Preston Road, we all know that there are other people who do equally important work. For instance, I'm going to read a whole list, so if you're the kind of person who doesn't like your name read, just know you've got a whole list of people coming and we're not singling you out. Blaine gets here early every Sunday, blows off leaves and walkways, sets the air temperature correctly, which is a difficult thing to do in Texas. He is, I think, every kid's favorite adult hanging out at the candy bar. We can focus on our worship because Blaine has been here and prepared for us. Maria gets here early. She cleans before and during worship. She makes and serves coffee. We can learn and worship in an alert state because Maria has done her work. Officer Bertha Root and her team get here early and stay here. We are able to worship in safety because they show up and do their work. And a team of greeters arrived this morning, stood at the doors, opened them, greeted you with a smile. We worship in gladness because we've been greeted well by that team. Roberta and Sarah have prepared communion, and Dana will join them afterwards to collect friendship registries and clean up the sanctuary. We are able to worship because of their work. Rita will take those friendship registries and process them and get the information to the right people. Guests will be welcomed. People will receive pastoral care and outreach because of Rita's work. A team of volunteers led by the Turners have served communion and facilitated our offering. We've been able to draw close to God and each other today because of their work. And then there will be a team who's counting the contribution. And then Andrea will process it and allot it. Good works will be funded because of what they do. Fran has prepared our worship order and music folders for the worship team. She's prepared our slides. We can worship in song today because of your work, Fran. Maggie has worked on our bulletin and graphics. People are going to show up at events and build relationships because of Maggie's work. Julie has prepared our children's curriculum. She's been downstairs greeting children and their families. She's been at the back of the sanctuary greeting us when we walk in. She coordinates just about everything that happens at this building and even in other places that are part of this church. We are able to have events and have Sundays go smoothly because of Julie's work. There's a crew right now working in the AV booth. We're able to worship here and people are able to worship online. 
because of the work that they are doing. There's been a team of volunteers that has patiently taught kids today. They have sacrificed time with their peers in order to pour into our kids. Our kids feel the love of Jesus because of that group of volunteers today. And a different team of men and women have taught our adult classes today. They've spent hours preparing prayerfully for the hour before worship. People know more about God because of these teachers. Someone, maybe several people, made a comment in their class today. They might have been scared to do it. But somebody was blessed because of what those people said in class today. And then there's you. And you showed up today. And you might have felt anxious. Maybe it's your first time and you weren't sure what it would be like. You might not have wanted to go. You might almost have not come. We are surely glad that you did come today. Someone in this room is blessed because you showed up today. All these people play important and vital roles in the life of this church. And that's just Sunday. Think of all the other things that happen during the week that take all kinds of people. Paul tells us, and we know it, that we might have many members, but each has the same value. We might have different roles, but we have the same value. We might have different gifts, but we have the same value. We might have different social status, but we have the same value. We might have different perspectives, but we have the same value. Paul ends the section in 1 Corinthians 12 by saying, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. In this series, for the next several weeks, we're going to highlight different people and groups in the body of Christ at Preston Road. Some of them will be the more official upfront groups. Some of them will not. We'll talk about our elders. We'll talk about our ministers. We will also talk about our servant leaders who do, do so much work behind the scenes. We'll talk about the generations who came before us. That's next week. We'll talk about the generations that are emerging at Preston Road. We'll talk about our mission points. This will be a great get-to-know-you series. If you're wondering what this church family is all about, you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to see how all these people connect together to form the body of Christ. One of the things we're going to do is have a special all-church lunch at the end of this month on the 28th. Uh, We'll get you more details about that. It'll have a few twists to it. If you are the kind of person who normally doesn't come to these things, I want to beg you, urge you to show up at this lunch. We believe that it will do some important things in knitting together the body of Christ at Preston Road. You'll get a lot more details about that in the coming days. Here's what I know about any church family. Some of you in this room just feel very unimportant. You look around and you say, there are important people here who are vital members of the body of Christ, but but that's not me. And I want you to know that that's not true. That's not how we see it. There might be places in your life, maybe work or family or other parts of culture, where long-timers are valued over newcomers, not here. There might be places where people of high status are valued over people of low status, but not here. There might be places where charismatic extroverted leaders 
are valued over more quiet, introspective people. Not here. So what if we started looking for people who don't naturally receive honor and we put our thumb on the scale and give them not just equal, but special honor? And what if I looked at myself and I said, I don't exactly know my role, but Scripture says I'm part of the body of the Christ, equal to anyone else, and so I'm going to jump in with my whole heart and serve with whatever gifts God has blessed me. What if we did those things? Friends, because of our baptism, we are equal. Paul says that so clearly. We are equal. So, there are no distinctions among us. We don't play by the rules out there. It's different in here. We're all equal. We may be many members with different gifts, but together we are all the body of Christ. Let's stand and sing.